We're on fire. Megan Miller, you are in the house. We are on. Yep, we're recording for sure. What is up? Thanks for being here. I know we just did a little conversation. We already did all this cool stuff, but uh, what's up? How you feeling? Hey, I I didn't even get a chance to tell you. I love that sweater, sweatshirt. Oh, well, thank you. It's, um, just, I don't know, random sweatshirt. I don't even know where, it, but thank you, though. You know, isn't it nice when comfort meets fashion? I got to tell you, looking like a million bucks, my friend, Chris. <laughs> it is great to be here with you tonight. I'm usually not a fashionista by any means. Usually I just come from the gym doing these things. That's literally what I just got here from. So, uh. But yeah, but thank you. I appreciate that. You know, you made you made. I think you made my Thursday. But wonderful. I think we should all give each other some more compliments. You know, we were talking earlier about the holidays, and we can dig into that. But this is the one thing I do love about the holiday season, Chris. Okay. I feel like you kind of write yourself a permission slip. The world does to be kinder to each other. Like someone does something that you like, you share it. You tell them. I feel like during the holidays, everyone's just a little kinder to each other. There's a little bit more gratitude mm. that only ever really happens during that time of the year. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that you know, it's like we said, it's, you're supposed to be that way. So everyone decides that, oh, you know, I'm supposed to give a little bit more. You know, when you see the the sand out there ringing the bell, like in front of the store, I'm supposed to give a little bit there. And just because, you know, through Thanksgiving, through I guess after New Year's, that's what you do. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, after New Year's. You're like, fuck it. <laughs> Let me just go. Yeah. You're like, all right, I ain't gotta do this anymore. You get almost you get annoyed when you see like somebody in front of the store asking for like the Girl Scouts like asking for you to buy their cookies and stuff. And so it's like, nah, I ain't gotta give anymore. I already gave my stuff. Who cares? But yeah, but during the holiday season, you're all about it. You're like, hey, let's go volunteer. Let's go down to the food bank. You know, let's give to people who need it. And I'm not saying there's I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying you shouldn't be doing that stuff, but I agree with your point though. It seems like that's what people want to do just because you're supposed to be doing it so, right I, I don't understand we can't do this 365 i mean hey if you're a giving person let's do it after christmas you know let's do it after new years right hey chris i always think of you know people do things we see things every day in our in our lives whether it's a social post whether it's some a, a colleague doing something at work whether it's your partner Whatever it is, we see things all the time and we think, oh, that, that was nice. But we never say it because we move on to the next thing on the task list because we're so worried about getting our shit done. Mm. Like, I just think there's such a lesson there to say when someone does something and you think to yourself, oh, my God, that was kind of cool. Or I really liked that. Or that post resonated with me. How about you just take a minute and tell them? Do you ever feel weird when people do compliment you? Like it's like it's almost overdoing it to a certain extent that, you know, you're wondering if they're being fake, you know, it's like, did it really mean that? Especially just because, you know, like we said this during Christmas, like you're supposed to be giving and compliment nice to everybody and all this. But, you know, in my experience, sometimes that when I do get certain compliments and it's just it's kind of overzealous and over the top, it's like, wait, do you really mean what you're saying? Or are you just saying this because you're you think you're supposed to be doing it? Yeah, I would say then that's inauthentic. Your bullshit meter is right on. Like if it's inauthentic, don't say it. But if it's authentic, I think you can feel it. I think your gut tells you if you if you, if you listen to it, you know if what that person is telling you is authentic or whether they're leaning into some ask for some shit. Yeah. Can I curse on this? By the way, I've of been. Of course you can. Okay. This is free speech. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, I like well, you, Chris. It's yeah. the northeasterner in me. It's the Philly in me. It sometimes comes out, and Philly. you can't hold her back. Philly, you born and raised in Philly? I f I feel like I have been. I'm a central central PA. Okay. A girl born and raised, very small town, and then I moved to Philadelphia. Oh gosh, tw about twenty years ago. Nice. I went to Philly. Back in, was it 2018, 2019? That was my first time there. I'm in actually Virginia, so uh, I'm not too far from you. I'm actually right about three hours from D.C., maybe four. I always like to say Philly is kind of like a used couch. It's not that attractive, but it is comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was there basically solo dolo. I mean, long story short, my mom had a conference there for her work and she didn't want to travel by herself. So I was like, okay, I've never been to Philly. So why not? So while she was doing her work thing, I traveled. Well, I didn't really travel. I just walked all through the city and was supposed to see all the sites I was supposed to see. But 
I felt good. I felt safe. You know, I ignored what, you know, people were kind of saying like, Oh, Philly's kind of dangerous. You should watch your back and all this. But I mean, I don't think I took myself anywhere sketchy, but I, I was comfortable, you know, I enjoyed it. I had a great time there. I love that you said yes to the opportunity. That That's the other thing. Like we were talking about what we want to, what we want to do in the year ahead. And I, that is one thing that I want to be more intentional about is saying yes to the opportunity so quickly you have the opportunity to do something and you're like now nah, I'm busy I don't feel like doing that no no you say no before the opportunity even left the other person's lips like I think there's something to be learned about saying yes to the thing even when you don't feel like it you're a person that used to say no to things because I am oh god yeah and especially if it was something that I I am the sort of person where I will say yes to things that I know that I will be good at Yes. And if I don't think I will be good at it, then it's a hell no. And also the other thing, Chris, and I'm curious on you too. I am actually in, well, I guess I would say I'm an extrovert and an introvert. Hmm. I need my alone time. Yes. And and this was really obvious for me over COVID, but I can swing the other way. So if I have too much of my alone time, then I don't want to come out of my cocoon. And that's not healthy either. So there are so many times where my friends would invite me to things or the, or the events. And I'd be like, no, nah, I don't want to go to that. I don't want to talk to people. Yeah. When in actuality, study after study after study has shown since the 1930s to today that the happiest people, happiest people in the world, it's not about their social status. It's not the car. It's not the clothes. It's not the pants size. It's not... The, the if you won the last fitness competition, it's none of that. What it is is it's your your connection, your relationships, and I just think that sometimes in our Herculean sprint through life, that's the first thing that we say no to when that's really the thing that'll nourish our soul. Well, well it's kind of what we were saying earlier, just with the holidays and everything, where it's just almost so stress. You know, adds adds more stress to yourself just because of. You always have to be the extroverted person and be sociable and act a certain way rather than how you would act when you're home alone or just home with your partner or just your two dogs back here just hanging out. But and it's almost just like a little, you know, it's just like so much exerted energy. It's like, man, just give me a little bit of a break because but I agree with you that, you know, like I, t- I think I told you before we started recording that, you know, these relationships and the things we build through our lifetime are the things that when I look back on my deathbed is what deathbed is what I want to be thankful for but I used to, you know, I, I, and sometimes it still comes and haunts me, these little demons. Like, you know, don't go to that. That's stupid. Why would you go to a little, and even it's like a little small party or anything like that. And and just because it's like, it's like you know, what's going to happen? What are people going to say? What if a fight breaks out? You know, what if somebody, you know, belittles you? And you're just like, how are you going to handle that? Then what if you turn into an asshole? And, and so like things like that go in my head. And it's like, well, but usually this me overthinking it. And then when you get there, it's just the perfect time. Exactly. Yeah. As you're you're talking about the demon in your head, it just makes me think. Did you see that documentary? Oh my God, it's so good. Um, With Jonah Hill, uh, Netflix Stutz. Um, Is that with his uh, psychiatrist or something? Yes. It's in my queue, but I haven't watched it yet. So I know what you mean. Oh, it's like salvation. I've I've heard it's great worthy and i would tell your listeners if they have kids that are of teenage years watch it with your family because it opens to the door for these conversations that we've never been taught how to have yeah and like you know all of these things that we struggle with but we run from because we've never been taught how to have the language or to even have the conversation about them and as you're talking about the 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 demon in here the asshole that lives in your brain just makes me think about how in that documentary, the psychiatrist, I can't think of his name now, but he, but he talks about how it's like this, this evil, this evil that we have, the, the demon in here that we're never taught how to talk to, but you almost need it because you never appreciate the easy things in life. Like when you look back on your life, you never learned the most when shit was going great, easy peasy. Like the moments that you really learned and that it taught you something were those life stripe moments. And that's why you need the devil in there because it's like the good versus the bad. And when you're able to triumph over him, 
the demon in your mind, like what is what success is on the other end of that. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point, Megan. And and you know, I say demons, and and it's really maybe that's a, a bad word I to say because yeah, I should feel very fortunate and blessed that you know I'm over here kind of like first world problems. Oh, well, you're complaining about having to go hang out with your friends and stuff, but like you said, like you know, you've did you say you've always been extroverted or introverted? I think I've always been introverted, but I didn't know the language for it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I always thought I was supposed to be an extroverted just because in media and stuff, you know, that's, oh, you're the cool person. You're the, you're getting yes. all the, the you're, life of the party. You're the, yeah. You're life of the party. You're getting the girls. You're having a good time. You're the center of attention. You know, you're what, you know, men want to be and women want to be with or whatever that stupid saying is. And that it was like, oh, I have to act a certain way just because that was the, thing I'm seeing through media or just whatever my mind was being projected with. But really, I guess my point is that I noticed in myself and even today that in small groups, I do really well with, you know, you know, just talking conversations with this. But when it gets to these bigger, like, you know, maybe six or more people, all of us having dinner and stuff. I don't know if it's just, I shut down just because of it's too many people talking, try everyone's trying to get their point across and, you know, just trying to say random things. And then it's just like, you know, well, I'll just sit here and just be quiet. Then there's too many people talking and I'm trying to take in what everybody's saying and it's just not always working. And that's one cool thing about even with these headphones, you know, I've done a couple of podcasts with three or four people and I can actually listen in my ears exactly who's talking or whatever and actually give my full attention to them rather than just trying to focus on one person or whatever. But yeah, I guess that's what's my point though, is that, yeah, I think I'm more introverted than I am extroverted, but in certain groups, I feel a little bit in smaller groups with six or less, I feel more extroverted. But when it gets to that over that, I think I just shut down for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm right there with you. Me too. Me too. But I think the really cool thing is the recognition and the language around it. Like, like you know, right? And, yeah. and, and once you know, then you can give yourself the like the you know the whole when you know better you do better right so you can give yourself those cushions of time alone when you need them and everyone in my life now knows I need my my Megan time and I say to my husband I like need a moment by myself and there's nothing wrong with that but when you know better you do better which is why reason number 787 why I love this community that you're building so much is because we all have stories each and every one of us mm-hmm. But it is the courage to share them and it's the courage to listen to them and know that whatever shit you're going through, you're not going through it alone. And someone else has been through it and can share with you the light that's on the other end of the tunnel because you can't see it when you're in the muck and the mur of it. Yeah. I mean, going back to your point about Jonah Hill that, you know, with podcasting and this, you know, community or new type of media, whatever you want to call it, that it's cool to have these conversations that are not necessarily sexy, quote unquote, just because, you know, if you talk about, you know, mental illness or if drugs should be legalized or I don't know, you know, abortion or religion or politics that, you know, you can actually have these long drawn out conversations depending on what show you're on or what format it is. And, and actually, you know, talk about, you know, your problems and what you've been through and your trials and tribulations rather than just, you know, depending on what group of people you're in, you might say something that, Hey, I had an eating disorder or, Hey, you know, I battled drugs for the, my, through my teenage years and people were just instantly, you know, label you and you almost feel just, you're so belittled right then, you know, you tried to be vulnerable at a point, but then it's just like it backfired on you. But now it's like, people want to listen to it. People want to hear it. And just like what you said that, Oh, wait, you know, person A is going through something and I kind of went through something like this. And and I'm glad that there's more recognition coming now. And, oh, you know, it's like a weight off your shoulders. You know? And yes. that's point. it's just so cool to have, and maybe cool is not the right word, but so more mainstream or I guess cool to have these conversations now. And it's, you know, it's not, now people just don't belittle you or ridicule you just for saying, you know, oh, wait, you know, I'm not a really big fan of Christmas, you know, just like that. Yes. You know, I think as, as you're talking, Chris, it just makes me think about, the power of vulnerability. You know, I I think of my own journey. And when I look back at my corporate career in 15 years, Chris, I, I look back now and I think, oh my God, I worked shoulder to shoulder with people for 10 fulfin years and I knew jack shit about them. I knew that this is, I would go to Matt 
if I needed this, I would go to Debbie. If I needed this, I would go to Angela if I needed this. But I never knew anything about who they were Mm. as a person. And when I had enough courage to begin to share this journey of what I was struggling with, this addiction to achieving, of it being my validation in the world, of never feeling like I was good enough and that I was worthy enough and all of these things that I was learning, did I find that people began to share with me their own stories. And so the reason that I share that, Chris, is that for any of your listeners that are struggling or even to If they are looking at people in their lives and they're like, they have it all together. I'm here to tell you, no one does, first and foremost. Nobody has their shit together. And second of all, there are people in your life that want to support you, that want to help you, that can give you guidance and support. You don't need to go through it alone. And it can be something as simple as having just a, let's, here's an example. Your boss hands another project on your plate and you are already overwhelmed. It is something as simple as B list because I can remove C, but I cannot do A, B, C, D, and E, right? It's something as simple as just vocalizing it and putting it out there. And it is amazing how people will show up. Well, Meg, we should uh, go back a little bit. We got into this. We we kind of went off to a hot start right there. But this yeah. is, so the audience knows kind of your backstory and, you know, kind of like, you know, the hustle culture you went through and just kind of like the little bit you just said that, why don't you give them the uh, Reader's Dodges version of, you know, how you got from point A to point B to point C here talking with me, just so they kind of know what you went through. Yeah, yeah. So it's so funny, Chris, how our, a lot of the decisions that we make in life all ties back to our childhood, but it's the shit that we run from that we never deal with. Mm -hmm. So. I say that to say I was a C student. I was raised by a single mother in central Pennsylvania. I look back now and I think, holy shit, she was 23, had two kids, single-handedly raised them by herself. So a shout out to anyone who was a single mother or is raised by a single parent. It's You're doing beautiful, beautiful things. I have, was a chubby kid. I was raised in central Pennsylvania. I had a 600 SAT score, lied about that until I was like 12 and 40. I <laughs> like, who cares? Who cares at this point? I had a speech impediment and I was told by the outside world that I would never amount to much. And I believed it, Chris, for a long, long time until I got the first whiff of the first thing in my life that I was ever good at. And that was the sales job and hospitality. And like a drug, Chris, like a drug, I was addicted to it, addicted to it because it made me feel for the first time in my life that I was worthy and I had something to contribute and that I was good at something. And so over the next 15 years, it consumed me like any addiction does. And here's the really fucked up part of it is that in our world, in this hustle culture, we think that doing our jobs well and and getting the promotion and going up the next tier is the right thing. And somewhere along the line, you lose yourself and your circumstances behind the wheel, you're not living, you're existing. Mm. That is exactly what happened to me. So 15 years go by, I tell myself this story of I'll be happy when, don't we all do that? I'll be happy when I make, right? this pay grade. I'll be happy when I get my body this fit. I'll be happy when I get the relationship, when I drive this car and then it comes and you're not happy. So you think it's the next tier and the next tier and it never ends. So I said that I would be happy when I had this corner office job. When I got this corner office job, running sales for this billion dollar hospitality organization, that'll be the key to all these missing pieces. Well, guess what? I got the job. And as divine or as universe or as God, whatever word you want to use, told me, slapped me upside the head and was like, listen, dummy, that's not the answer. I had a mental breakdown alongside 76. Not the best place. Not the best place to have a breakdown. I can tell you that. It's the main highway going in and out of Philadelphia. So it's so funny how... 
you, you ever have those life moments that you can go back there in a second? Like back Plenty there. Plenty of them. Yes. Right? Back yeah. there in a second. Stay right in there. And as I am telling you the story, I can go back into that car seven years ago with the semi-trucks whizzing by and the car shaking and me sobbing, thinking, how did my life get here? Mm. I'm popping Lexapro. I'm binge drinking every chance I get. I'm $20,000 in debt because I think the latest thing will fulfill me. I'm in loveless relationship after loveless relationship. I am cut off from my friends and family because I cannot stand to hear how good their life is while I'm barely hanging on. And at that moment in time, unbeknownst to me, began this journey of seven years of getting to know the woman that I never took time to get to know throughout this whole life journey myself. And now I am on a mission to help other high-performing go-getters that have that inner gut whisper, that tiny whisper that says, I know my life is meant for more, but I'm scared shitless and I do not know where to start. On these small little micro steps that they can do so they can start living again. And it all begins with you, which is the hardest fucking thing because we think it's quitting the job. We think it's moving. We think it's ending the relationship. We think it's dry January. We think it's the fast. And let me tell you this, you are on the other end of all that shit. So mm. you got to work on you before anything else can change in your life. So do you think more people being self-aware to themselves is probably the first step? And just- the honesty. Yes. The yes. And that's the hardest thing. Yes. That I will say is 80% of the journey is what do you want? Not what the rest of the world's been bullhorning in your ear, but what do you want? Yeah. And that is very difficult because we've never been taught to ask ourselves that question. No, no. We're always taught, like kind of what we just said earlier, you know, being the uh, the cool guy at the party and being the center of attention and what, you know, like almost living your life as if you're watching a movie, you know, and just seeing like, and not really being able to differentiate, differentiate between real life and the movie world or even social media now, just because, you know, like you just talked about like with the hustle culture and you have, and, and you have these people like, I'm not going to say any names, but you have these people who promote how, you know, oh, work 18 hours a day, then, you know, you'll have the Rolex and the Lamborghini and the fancy house and living in the Hamptons or whatever it is. And so, and I think when young people and not even young people, but anybody who's maybe in a hard way looking for a change or whatever you want to say, when they see that thing, say, you know, the mind is a sponge. They just grab onto it and just like, OK, wait, if I do this exactly like this for X amount of years, I will have all this. You know, I have the house in the Hamptons or whatever it is and people won't. But then. You know, they get so caught up in it that life keeps going on and they don't realize that maybe this is part of the dark triad or yeah, is that right? Yeah, the dark triad or the dark arts, even that, you know, they don't understand what they're the dark road they're going down on. And then they, yeah. you know, they find themselves on the side of 76, like, what the fuck just happened, you know, and having a yes. breakdown. And, and I'm not saying that's everybody, but I think it's a lot of people, especially with people who are easily influenced and easily just. They don't really have an idea of where they want to go in life. You know, well, you know, I heard that there's a stupid quote out there. You know, you can't really know where you're going in life until you know where you've been. And, you know, if you start thinking about it, that to me, it's just like, okay, where have I been? And, you know, how did I react in certain situations? And what, how did I feel? And did I like that? Or did I not like that? And if I didn't like it, why do I keep doing it? Just because I get satisfaction from society or culture or my friends? Like, no. But um, I've never been in that situation, and I've been more of the uh, the straight, narrow kind of, hey, go to school, get a job, live out your life, and you know, you'll know you be happy and all that good stuff. And it wasn't until, I guess, the pandemic when life kind of slowed down for me is where I started to wonder myself is, you know, hey, am I, am I happy? Am I good where I wanted to be? Is this what I thought my life was going to be like? And so that's kind of why I started the podcast. You know, I wanted to try something to go to do like a little venture on my own rather than just going through what the, uh, the status quo of what everyone tells me I needed to be doing was. And then I'm not saying I went through any hard times or any bad times and that there's a lot of people who go through some really shitty times, but it was just that it was just me personally, just putting life on halt for a second and just 
taking a break and just like, let's see here. Let me think about it. Let me think about it. Now, where can I go and move to where I think I can either have a growth mindset, better myself, and finally figure out what does Chris want? And I don't mean to talk about myself in third person, but yeah. And that was kind of the thing for me. And that's why I started basically one of the reasons why I started the podcast is to have these cool conversations with you and learn about what other people go through and learn about, you know, Hey, life isn't always gummy bears and raindrops and rainbows, whatever it is. And just, uh, yeah. And just see what happens, man. And yeah, let's see what it's like, man. Let's live it, man. Matthew McConaughey, L I V I N. And I love how you talked about this came to be, this community was built through COVID. That is one of the greatest gifts I think COVID gave us was the shit that you've been running from. You were forced to deal with because you had nowhere to turn to. And I also feel that not only were we forced to deal with these gut whispers of, am I happy? Is this the right move for me? Like what's next? All of that. But it also gave people the courage to be like, fuck it. We've been wanting to do A, B, C in our lives for so long. Let's do it. What are we waiting for? And I I think that was such a lesson. And Chris, I want to go back to what you were talking about with social media, because I think that it is such a, it can, it can really fuck with you on feeling like you are less than. Listen, I want to share with all the listeners out there. I still struggle with that. And I am in this space of helping people live their truth in their best lives. And I can get on Instagram and see the Mel Robbins, the Brene Browns, the Marie Folios of the world with all of these likes and all of these followers and feel like, well, that's not going to happen for me. You know, you, you see. So just the other day, let me share this story. Just the other day. I had saw um, Heather Monahan is this 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 speaker, and she was she had posted something about how she was forty one and da 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 da. And the first thing I think of, Chris, the first thing I think of is, fuck, I'm almost forty, and I don't have what she has. That will never happen for me. That is the first thing you think of. And I think we need to train ourselves to say if she can do it. If he can do it, then so can I. And your timeline is your own timeline. You can't judge your life by someone else's life that does not look like yours and that you do not know the full story. And so one of the things that I have done, which has been a game changer in my life, is it was a little, my husband got it for me as a gift, a little bathroom phone charger. Before I go to bed at night, that is where the phone goes. So I am not like 96% of us. There was a time, Chris, when I was sleeping with the phone, like under my pillow. How horrible is that? I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I've heard stories. Right. So I'm not answering the emails. I'm not sending the emails right before I go to bed. I'm I'm not shopping for shit I don't need. And I'm not scrolling Instagram going to bed feeling like I am less than. So I would tell your listeners, if they want to make just one small change in their life, Get a bathroom phone charger from Amazon, 20 bucks, put your phone there before bed. You will sleep like a rock star. And also then the second on the flip side of that, when you get up in the morning, if you use your phone like your alarm, which so many of us do, it forces you to get your ass out of bed instead of hitting the snooze for 47 times and feeling like shit, even though you might've got seven hours of sleep because you're jacking up your sleep cycles, you get up, you keep the first promise to yourself and you have to turn that alarm off. It's amazing what those two things will do for the way you go to sleep and the way you wake up. Yeah. And to your point, man, I mean, I love technology. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, I my full-time job is information technology, but I wonder, you know, where the future is going to go with technology and that it's like the wild, wild west. We're already seeing, you know, there's a book, The Coddling of the American Mind, where, you know, teenage girls are kind of having trouble with social media just because they act a certain way and the mental illness it's already causing and the cyberbullying and all this stuff. And but, you know, with the future of it, you know, it's made life better. It's made life easier. There's nothing. I mean, I don't want to completely knock it, but I'm one of those guys, too, that. 
I mean, even to still to this day, when I do the podcast is like the only time when I actually have an hour plus free of just not sitting there scrolling randomly on Instagram. I mean, even when I'm watching one of my favorite shows or whatever that I just kind of pick up my phone and start just go through Instagram and say, wait, wait, what the fuck am I doing? You know, like why? And it, and why I don't get it. Like, it's like, a, it's a, it's habitual now, which makes zero sense to me why this started happening, but it doesn't make sense or it does make sense just because I constantly do it. And I guess, and it's like almost no reason for when anybody's bored right now, it's just when they have nothing to do, that's the first thing they do when they're just waiting in line, everyone's just got their head down looking through stuff. But to my point, I guess, is that in the future of where people don't really know the full effects of this stuff, you know, with, you know, hours of screen time and sleeping with the phone or right beside you and watching, you know, random reels before you go to sleep and what it's the actual harm is it really doing, you know, and then, and real quick though, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but do you know what chart GPT is? I think it's what it's called. No. Uh-uh. Okay. So this is, um, I don't know if I'll be able to pull it up here. I'm not going to take the time and give some dead air, but if I don't, I'll tell you, I'll send you the link later. So anyway, what it is, it's like the new craze right now is open artificial intelligence, right? Oh my God, so, that shit, are, it scares the shit out of me. Keep going. <laughs> right now, it's still kind of, it's got a leash on it. And so basically what it is, like certain public schools are actually starting to outlaw it or ban it just because you can, it's like the new Google. You can go in there and you ask it, um, what makes a good podcast or something like that, right? And it'll start, it'll get, give you a few seconds and it'll start to write out a whole thing, like ask these type of questions, you know, have certain topics to speak on that are great, to, you know, stuff like that. It gives you a full detailed outline. And then if you can say, hey, you can say, all right, I need something to make it more funny. Right. It goes ahead and starts giving you that now. You can even like students are even going into copying and pasting their questions from their homework into it. And it gives you like how it came up with the answer and like, oh, the correct answer is C. And then we can't even do basic math anymore. We are screwed. You ever go in, you ever go in to get changed somewhere and like the person behind the counter is all confused. But and you're like, listen, it's a quarter. (laughs) <laughs> yes, they look at it and they're just like, if they don't have the thing to tell them what to give it back. Yes. I've worked in retail all through college and now it's just like almost like, hey, it's 24 cents. <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah. They're, yeah. they're like, they act like, oh, yeah, I was going to get it or whatever. But it's just like, if they don't see it up there or read it, they're just, like, and that's one of the blessings of working in retail is that sometimes you have to do on the fly math like that. So, yeah. yes. But yeah, I mean, but yeah. And again, you can have it write you a full detailed paper about the war of 1812 and and like i don't even know how you differentiate differentiate between humans writing and now artificial intelligence mm. so i guess that's what i was kind of asking about technology and stuff it's like where do where is it going you know are we just going to become like you said we're just going to be completely useless people and just let artificial intelligence or just rely on machines to i know this podcast isn't about this but it just blew my mind today going through this stuff and listening to other people talk about it and it's why you know there was a time in my life where I felt like it was consuming me. I, I, what, what do they call it on the, when it shows, shows you like how long you've been on certain apps on your phone oh, and I'll, the screen time. I was like, no fucking why? Oh my, it was ter- terrifying, terrifying. It was like my whole life was spent behind a screen, either behind a screen at work during the day, behind the screen, any iota of a moment I had, hell, we even take our phones into the bathrooms with us, right? So, yeah, we sure sure do. So what I had to start to do was I put um, the the screen time, what do they call it, where it's like shuts down your phone, the screen limits. Yeah. And I will tell your listeners, it was very difficult. At first, I thought I could just put them on. I was ignoring that shit. But here is the power of a micro step. And this is why I love micro steps, because it's not about the big leaps. It's about these small little things that'll make you feel like a rock star. And it'll have you showing up for more. It's a thing called the habit loop. You can you can look it up. So I would say start in 30 minute increments. If you go to bed, at nine o'clock, put the screen limit on at 8.30. You go to bed at 10 o'clock, put the screen limit on at 9.30. And that works for a week. Then you're like, great. Maybe I'll put it up to nine. Maybe I'll put it up to eight. It's just the small little steps. Yes. And, 
The other thing that was so powerful in our household, and again, it's these, sometimes when things are so simple, we diffuse them because we think that shit has to be so complicated and it has to be so hard that if it's simple, it can't be that easy, right? Like we defute it. And so at night, when my husband and I, if we are both home and we are having dinner, we put the phones away, we have a little basket and it is he and I having dinner. And we play the high-low game, which is what was your high and what was your low of the day. And it starts conversation. And I think that's something that is so lacking around so many dinner tables today is those moments. As we were talking about earlier, Chris, it's not about the things, it's about the moments. And in the Herculean sprint of our days to do, be, achieve more, get the likes, answer the emails, feel, you know, get the get the status quo of life we forget the power, the connection of those in our lives and just how that can feed our soul in a way that we never would at the end of the project or regardless of the likes or regardless of the square footage of your home. So I would say start that practice with your family. Sit around the table if you can. I don't care what the hell you eat. Just sit around the table and have a conversation. What was your high and what was your low? without the phones and it'll change the dynamic of your household. Do you think, or do you ever look back, I guess, and ever think that, you know, if you have that mental breakdown on the side of 76 or whatever the interstate was, I think you said that it was almost a blessing because you would have yes. to start to, like, cause you know, you have a really good head on your shoulders and you really seem to, you know, think things out now and decide that, hey, you know, I, I'm doing stuff for a reason rather than just to do it just because it's the cool thing, whatever. But do you think ever that you already said yes, but, you know, if you wouldn't have had that experience, you would have never became the person you are now? Oh, absolutely. And Chris, I think that's with anything with life. Anything you go through in life, it turns you into the person that you we're meant to be. And it's often those hard, mucky times that you hate going through it, but there's so much power on the other end of it. You know, so, so for instance, I grew up without my, my father, I had his struggles and was not involved in my life from when I was really, really five all the way up until the other year, which was, you know, 35. And for the longest time in my life, Chris, I harbored so much resentment and anger. And I was very much, I will handle life alone because no one will hurt me again like that. So I had walls built up so thick that I didn't even realize it. And I, I say all that to say that now at almost 40, I can look back and I can think, thank goodness that that happened the way that it did, because it turned me into the woman that I needed to be. And I think that all of us have those building blocks of life. And it's often the most difficult moments that that really give you the resiliency. It gives you the toolkit. It gives you the language. It gives you the the life tattoo marks that brings you into your path and your purpose. Is there a power to independence though? I will say for me in my journey, everything I can look back now and, and thank God, like I wouldn't, I would not change a thing. Um, I stumbled a lot. I mean, hell, there was one point in my life, Chris, where I couldn't even afford a bagel. Damn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, it was bad, but I will say, that I had to go through all of that. I met my husband. Um, we met five years ago. We got married last year. I'm 39. And I would not change a thing because I had to go through all of those things. So I could be the woman that I am. And that I could show up in this relationship and I could appreciate him for the man he is. Because you never appreciate the good without the bad. And that's one thing that... I never wish for people to go through bad situations, but, and I guess why I asked that was just because that I think there is a need to, you know, take a loss in life and go through bad shitty situations and 
even though I don't want it because, you know, there's terrible, terrible situations that people grow up in. And I would never wish it on anybody. But, you know, knowing what you're going through and knowing that, hey, you know, if you keep hopefully moving and keep grinding, that there's something on the other end to find your happiness and find what you really want out of life rather than just saying, okay, well, this is my life. I guess I'll just, you know, just deal with it, you know, figure it out from here. But I don't. So, yeah, I mean, I think people and it seems like anybody with great stories all have been through some really shitty hard times in their life and they've come out stronger on the other end. And that's what made them, you know, not, you know, that's what made them a great person, I guess, even though they were almost like you were talking about earlier, like you were basically set up to not be successful. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's all on what it's all on what you make of it. Like I heard, I think this is a Tony Robbins quote, but it has always stuck with me. The first problem, the first problem that we ever have as humans is thinking we shouldn't have problems. <laughs> of course, of course, you're going to have problems like, well, you know, that's that's life. But here's what's really cool. You're in control of how you react to it. Yes. And no one can take that from you. You have the power. You know, you hear of people all the time. To your point, Chris, that have gone through really shitty situations and have wound up on the other end leading just this beautiful life and coming into their power. Like I always think about Oprah's story. I mean, look at her. She, you want to talk about someone who was telling, who was told they wouldn't have a chance in life. Look at, look at how she ended up not too shabby. But then you also hear on the other side of that people that were given these amazing opportunities in life, whether that be a, an athlete, whether that be someone who was born with a silver spoon in their mouth and then fuck it all up. Like, look at all these celebrities, kids that just keep fucking shit up because everything's been handed to them. Right. It is all on what you do with your situation, I guess, is what what I am trying to say. And you are in control of that. And it is all up to you with these decisions and these habits that you make in your life. Yeah. Well, if, and if you don't mind me asking this, though, because I know. And you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I know now you're obviously a professional speaker and, you know, you help people out. But you said earlier you had a speech impediment and yeah. you were young. I mean, and you're obviously you're over it. I mean, being a professional speaker and, you know, I would never if you never would have told me that I would never said like, oh, yeah, she had a speech, speech impediment when she was young. I mean, what was the story behind that? I mean, how did you get over that? Or how did yeah, you isn't that so interesting? Isn't yeah, that well, so? I mean, no, it just hit my mind. I was like, damn, yeah, she's right. You're talking about getting over stuff and moving on and going through these shitty situations. And I was like, damn. And having that when you were a young child and just the the bullying you probably, and I'm guessing, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. speculating here just because I've, you know, again, that's what I've seen with other people who've had it during my times in elementary and high school stuff. So yeah, anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's good. You know, he, yeah. I mean, when I look back on my life, I think, yeah, I mean, holy shit, the speech impediment. I was a chubby kid, the last kid to be picked for dodgeball. I, you know, was raised by a single parent, so we didn't have much. But I will tell you, Chris, I, I don't know if I blocked it out or what, but I, I don't remember so much of the bullying as I do the low self esteem. Uh. I, I will say that I. I even still now to this day can struggle with low self-esteem at, at certain points. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think we all, all do. The most confident people still struggle with do. that. So for me, it's been this journey. I, you have to check out this, this documentary with Jonah Hill. They, they also talk about like this shadow self. And for me, that really hit home as you talk about this younger version of me. And in this documentary, they unpack this version of ourselves that we run from and we hide from. And it makes all these decisions in our days. And we're so fearful to unpack it. And Jonah Hill talks about for him, it was when he was at his heaviest and he was abusing drugs and alcohol. And for me, it's that younger girl who just felt so abandoned in life who felt like she was not good enough, who felt like she would never have anything to give. And she was just so desperate for someone to love her. And I just think that's so powerful when you're, when you're able to talk about the person that you've been running from your whole life with is, which is a past version of you. Yes. I know heavy shit. Isn't yes. it heavy, heavy yes. shit? 
And I'm glad I asked that just because, you know, we all, we all have our past and we all have, I don't know if we're all trying to escape our past, but it's like, we, I think you said earlier, nobody's lived a perfect life or, and there's no life manual to what we're doing here. But, you know, I mean, and even with people who are in the, seem to be the most popular and most successful at whatever age you are, but they still have their demons. And, 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 and that's one thing that, and I think when I asked you earlier about, you know, how do you feel when you are, when you are being complimented? Because, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, above average at CrossFit. I do pretty well. And, and just, I get a lot of compliments towards it, but it seems like, and, and not only that, but just, you know, with the podcast and with, you know, almost in like, and that's just because with everything I do in life, I want to do it well, but just, it's just me. It's just kind of my mindset. It's just type of the people I listen to in their podcasts. I listen to, it's just like, I love it. You know, I love people doing hard shit and figuring it out and, you know, becoming greater on the other end of it. And just like, and I, and there, Peter Atia, he's a doctor and this might be going a little off my topic or my point here, but he's got this theory that if you keep doing hard things in life, and I'm not saying go climb Mount Everest or anything like that, but you know, you know, if you keep your mind active every day and you play Wordle and you live a healthy lifestyle, play, I don't know why I said play Wordle, but just basically if you challenge your mind every day, it's a key to, uh Oh, did you freeze up on me? Oh, you're back. Okay, cool. Sorry. So I'm, so my internet likes to freeze up sometimes, but anyway, um, yeah, my point was, is that Peter Atia likes to talk about if you do hard things and challenge yourself every day, that's one of the keys to longevity and that in going back a little bit though, and to my point is that, you know, when I get compliments and stuff, it kind of makes me feel weird just because I was always not that guy who got compliments. I was always never the guy who was actually told like, Hey, I'm proud of you. And or I appreciate you. And like, it was just kind of just the person just, I was just told this to be there just because I was either had to be there or just because that's just what you did, you know, cause Hey, you're the younger person. You go lift all the heavy stuff and you go, or go just do all the work that nobody else wants to do and stuff like that. And maybe those are poor examples, but, but I just remember and like the times I have been told like, Hey man, that really impressed me or Hey, I'm proud of you. Like I remember those times and it sticks with me and, so, but when, like, I guess when it starts to get a little over the top, I'm just like, fuck, you know, wait, are they just saying this shit or what? And yeah, and I guess I don't know, really, that's my whole point. I kind of think I've lost my whole, the whole plot. Well, I do, yeah. I do think though, Chris, that when you are good at something, you, you think everyone's good at it because it comes organically to you. Like we as humans have a very difficult time seeing our own gifts and talents and I, I I do think there is something to be complimented on on something you think really like that. Yeah. But it's hard for you to see something that you're so good at because it just comes organically to you as part of your gifts and and other people don't have that. It's very hard for us to be this sort of self-reflective. But I will say, you know, depending on gender, too, it's really interesting. Women. I have found and I hand raised, I am guilty of this. Someone gives you a compliment on your clothes and your first thing you say is, oh, this was on sale. Like you discount it. Someone gives you a compliment on your hair and you're like, really? I didn't wash it today. Like you are, <laughs> women are so quick to discount a compliment for themselves. Like, oh, you look great. Really? I don't feel it. It, it, it is a pay attention. It is such a knee jerk reaction that we feel we need to defeat it. And I think for men, and I'd be curious your take, Chris, on this is that I don't think you're really ever socialized to take a compliment. Like men are supposed to be tough and strong and we don't talk about emotions. Would you agree? I do agree. And that's probably, that's, and I'm generally speaking, and because there are men out there who, who just don't give a fuck if they share, you know, put their heart on their shoulder or whatever the thing is and you know, or lay their whole heart out there. But there is like when I grew up, you know, I grew up and, you know, I think you said you're almost 40 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a young 36, so I'm not far behind you, but that I grew up in kind of this mentality where, you know, I grew up in a very rural area and it was just a straight farmland, no stoplights. You know, my best friends were miles away. And so literally when I was home, it was either just kind of watch TV and play video games and, go outside and, you know, I played basketball outside, but I was by myself a lot playing. But anyway, yeah. 
So I grew up watching all these like, you know, 80s kind of hero movies and, you know, tough guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger and, you know, Rocky didn't uh, Sylvester Sloan doing their thing. And, you know, it's just like, oh, you got to be a certain way, you know, you got to be tough or whatever. And then if you did start to <clears throat> kind of wear your heart on your shoulder and say something that you were really like, hey, I, I feel sh- like shit today or I feel weird, I feel bad. It was almost like, well, why? <clears throat> and it's like, then you start to say it, it's like, well, you don't need to feel that way. You're fine. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well, I guess. I'll just go hot or whatever. But, <clears throat> but again, I mean, and even when, and that was just kind of like how childhood was. Okay. I got to be tough. You know, you're tough. That's what guys do. You know, you, you know, you just, if you get hurt and a scar on your knee, just rub some dirt in it, walk it off. You're good to go. You know, give me my coach's pat. I'm fine. You get a, whatever. It's no big deal. You know, and you don't cry in front of people and all that good stuff. But I guess, I mean, and even talking about compliments and stuff that, you know, I started losing my hair right after college and that's why I started shaving my head. But that's kind of what really I was really so worried about was like, you know, what are people going to think? I'm only 20. I think it was 24 or 25. And that, what do I do? You know, I'm losing my hair at 24, or 25. And it's just male pattern baldness. It just runs in my family. It's yeah. what happens. And, but it was, it freaked me out so much. Like, what are people going to think? And, you know, I don't want them to, you know, to call me an egghead or whatever they do, but but uh, but yeah, I mean, you're right, though, that for certain people, you know, guys are always supposed to act a certain way. And and almost like you're not really even supposed to compliment guys like, oh, man, that's a cool shirt, bro. You know, like I guess right now it's probably cool. But back in the day, it was kind of like, that's weird. You know, have you ever heard? So in college, it was all of this. And I get, I don't care. Well, if I say I guess I, nobody's going to care if I say this, but you would say no homo. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of- yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, like when college, like with my roommates and stuff, if you said, Hey, cool shoes, dude, and you had you had to say no homo after it, just so they wouldn't say you were gay or whatever. But it was just stuff like that. I was like, wait, what? You know, like, we're just hey man, they're cool shoes. It's not like I'm saying, like, hey man, right. let's go upstairs and get after it. You know, it's just, just right. so, yeah, so yeah. So I guess that's kind of the my take and my perspective on it. That and I don't know if that's good or if that's bad, but yeah, it's just little things like that that kind of always played in my head. And it's just like but now when you think about it at an older age, it's just that it's really not that big of a deal. No. Yeah. No. It's like, cool. You, know, we, you said nice shoes, man. It's like somebody brought up a good point the other day that in sports, you know, they give the coaches pat, right? A slap on the ass. Like, hey, good job. Good game or whatever. But nobody ever says anything about it. Like it's a, it's a, uh, an acceptance, like a sports acceptance across all sports and men's games. I don't know about women's, but. But yeah, it's like, where did that come from? You know, why do people pat the pat somebody on the ass and say good game or whatever? And like, and if you don't do it, some people get upset about it. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of, the, I don't know where I was really going with that point, but that was just one of those things that like in a male perspective that it's cool to slap people. I got your, your friend on the ass, but if you want to compliment their shoes, like back in my college years, it was always weird to do that. You know, that's one of the things I love, 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 love about aging. I think that that fear of what other things slowly start to fade away. The older that you get and the lessons that you learn, the more that you become more confident in who you are. Now, I can say at almost 40, there's something about 40. I don't know what it is, but that's like you know, the age that John Foley founded Peloton that's when Vera Rying um, did her first wedding dress. I think that's when Ray Kroc founded McDonald's or maybe he was in his 50s. But still, there's something like later in life that you come into your own and you just stop giving a fuck. I know for me at this age, when I look back, my 20s, it was all around wanting to fit in. Yes. My 30s, it was all around the comparison game. Who's getting married? Who's having the kids? Who has the suburban house? It's all around this, these, these task marks of life and these checklists and who's hitting it and who isn't. It's such a comparison roller coaster. At least it was for me. And I can say now at 39, I I have stopped comparing myself to everyone else. And now I'm listening to my gut intuition tell me about what I should do, be, want, achieve. And have the courage to listen to it. Is that some of the best advice you've kind of received is don't compare yourself to others? It's easier said than done. Like everyone says that, but it's, of course, of course, (laughs) of course. (laughs) 
<laughs> just like rest. Like I hate when people are like, hit pause and rest. You cannot live your life at 100 miles per hour and then all of a sudden hit the pause button and just relax. Like it's it's fine. You can't. You're, you're so used to going so fast, so quick. You can't just hit the pause. Like it's we we talk about these big, broad stroke things like I also hate this one. This one gets under my skin. Self-care. You know, it's not the fluffing bubble bath. It's not the nails. It's not the day of golf. To me, what self-care is, is are you taking care of you every day or are you putting yourself on the back burner and everyone else's wants, needs and expectations of you go first? Mm -hmm. That to me is self-care. Where are you on your list of to do's? And are you keeping yourself there as life gets busy during your day? That's self-care. It's not the fluffing bubble bath. <laughs> hey, what, do you, what do you do for self-care? I mean, what is your day like? I mean, do you, do, yeah. you, do you meditate? Do you read? I mean, like, I know you said you like your alone time. I mean, do you put on some sweet music and just chill? I mean, what's your thing? I mean, I love this question. And for the listeners that are still sticking around with us, thank you, because this is the sweet spot right here. There are three micro steps that I say if anyone wants to change their life and if anyone wants to start to feel more inspired, fulfilled, connected, this is what you do. And it's simple as shit. You ready for it? I'm ready. Micro step one, you make time for you. What do I mean by that? It is getting up at the first alarm when the alarm rings. It's keeping that first promise to yourself in the morning. It is when you told yourself that you were going to go for the walk at 12 o'clock and all of your calls went over and it's now 1230. It's not saying fuck it. It's keeping it and doing that walk for yourself. It is putting pen to paper before the rest of the world gets a hold of you. 95% of us wake up and the first thing that we do is we scroll through the phone to check the emails, to check the social feeds, to listen to the news. Three minutes of that, Chris, three minutes is all it takes to have a 70% higher chance of having a bad day. Mm. So instead of scrolling the feeds, instead of checking the email, take five minutes and put pen to paper on how you're feeling in here before the rest of the world gets in there. Make one promise to yourself. And keep it. So that is so. So step one is making time for you. Uh, key two is keeping that promise to yourself, regardless of what happens during the day. If you told yourself that you were going to take the salsa dancing class, even though it was four thirty on a Tuesday, and everyone keeps trying to jam shit in your calendar, you don't accept the calendar invite, and you go and you keep that appointment. It is keeping these promises to yourself. And then the third key is you do that consistently and your life will start to change. I know that is a lot. So I have a free gift for your listeners, Chris. They just go to Megan, M-E-G-A-N hyphen Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R.com. It's the micro step journal. It is the four step process that I've been doing every day for seven years. And it has been a game changer. You can do it in five minutes. You can do it in 10 minutes. You can do it in 15 minutes. The time doesn't matter. It just matters that you do it. Mm. That's awesome stuff, Megan. You're a badass person. I know that. Oh, Chris, you're oh. the best. Yeah, no, uh, I, I I kept you for longer than I probably should have, but I know you just plugged your website, but if you want people to find you in any other way or anything else you want to plug in general, just do it. Yeah. I would say to anyone that wants more of this, this content or is intrigued, I would love to welcome you to this community. It's of intentional living of, of micro steps so you can start to peel back those gut whispers that you're terrified to lean into and go to the website. It is the best place to find out everything around this movement, megan-miller.com. You can join our um podcast community attention to intention you can join our instagram community you can get on our micro step monday newsletter you can uh, download the micro step uh, journal the four steps all of it all of it lives there so just go check us out welcome we welcome you with open arms and know that you're not on this journey alone 
You are awesome. I'm glad we did this. Thanks for having a little chat with me tonight. Like I said, you're a badass person, Megan. I'm glad we did this. Oh, Chris, you're the best. And you and rocking it in an amazing sweatshirt tonight, looking like a million bucks and showing up with such authenticity and vulnerability. That is really cool shit. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right. We're out here, folks. See you. Bye. (laughs) 